0: Hi, my name is Pasha Marlowe, and this is the Let Pleasure Be the Measure podcast. We are going to have so much fun together. I hope that our conversations about pleasure light you up, and I hope they inspire you to reclaim your desires and create more space in your day to bring pleasure into your work, your family life, and yes, even your sex life. We will practice and explore the art of pleasure together. Let's play. Hello, everybody. This is Pasha Marlowe, and this is the Let Pleasure Be the Measure podcast. I'm so happy today to be bringing you a new friend and colleague, Rachel Ugalde. And Rachel and I have connected via Clubhouse and Instagram and Facebook, and I frankly just reached out and said, will you please be on my podcast? Because I really enjoyed her energy and most importantly, her authenticity and transparency um, on real topics. In fact, she's the host of her own podcast called Real Talk, and she's a life and success coach and a mother of three who loves to talk about self-love, which is my jam as well. So welcome, Rachel.
1: Hello. Uh, Hello. Wow, what an, an entry. I love that. I sound so cool.
0: You are so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me, Pasha. I'm so excited. I'm excited for you to be here. I've decided I'm just going to start stalking people I think are really cool online and then just <laughs> beg them to be on my podcast That's what gonna do from now on. So... <laughs> You didn't so, really me. I you asked me. I was like, sure.
1: Why not? Let's do it.
0: <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate it, and um, and I love what you do. And especially, I just deep dive right in there. Especially yesterday, you put out what I would consider an extremely vulnerable podcast episode um, about yourself and your own story. And it it touched my heart. It moved me, and it allowed me to realize that you're really willing to go. Uh, anywhere in this conversation (laughs) and that it's actually important for you to share some of your hardships and heartaches because that's brought you to this beautiful place you're in now so um would you mind telling us first of all how you define pleasure
1: oh I love that question um how do I define pleasure I think pleasure is very um unique for each person. And Mm -hmm. so for me, uh, pleasure is laughter. Mm. Yeah. Uh, laughter, man, that just, I'd say pleasure is living in alignment for me. Yeah. Yeah. Because whenever I'm out of alignment, I'm the opposite of pleasure, you know, but when you're living in complete alignment of who you are and who you're meant to be. Um, there's nothing better than that. You know, you don't feel like you have to hold back. You don't feel like you have to be anybody else. And it's the complete joy and pleasure, you know,
0: for me. And do you find that when you're feeling that alignment, it's not necessarily when things are easy or typically pleasant, but is it, is it when things just feel true? Yes. yes. Yeah. When I'm living my truth. Yes. Yes, it it felt like that when I was listening to your podcast from yesterday, that was that was published yesterday and it felt so true and in alignment um, that it if even though it was hard to listen to the story, I took pleasure in the liberation that you must have felt and how much you liberated other people in telling your story yeah
1: yeah it was hard for me to record it but afterwards it's like a weight off your shoulder i would i was i said this to pasha earlier i said um i saw this quote and it said um acknowledge trauma is trauma that can be healed and so i realized that just acknowledging what happened to you instead of avoiding it is the biggest way to heal and when I'm, you know, and that's inner healing, right? That's my healing for me. But then when I'm able to speak up and speak out, it's also healing for other people to realize, you know, A, they're not alone and B, they're not crazy. Cause I remember thinking I was so crazy. So many times in my life, if I thought I'm batshit crazy, I'm like, right. there's something really wrong with me, you know, but
0: people's vulnerable stories have, have really saved my life. So Absolutely. I think you and I both share a history of debilitating anxiety and depression to the point where it was challenging to leave our homes. Is, is that how you would describe yours or what, what words would you use to define yours? I call mine debilitating when it paralyzes me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's it. It's paralyzing. Yeah. I, um, I couldn't get out of bed for days. I remember trying to, um, pick up my kids from school. And that was just, um, yeah. oh my gosh, it was a really hard time. I mean, I, I just opening the front door to leave my home, you know, was, was hard. So yeah, I'd say paralyzing, um, debilitating definitely
0: resonates yeah. with me. Yeah. I feel like it's like a cloak of, of heavy, not even armor, even it's just, just, just a, a density in the air that you can't seem to move out of. And Um, I've defined it or described it to friends as like, I, I feel like I'm in a, a dark hole and I'm just trying to claw myself out, but it's the kind of like claw, like you're clawing out of a icy lake. You can't actually get traction or, you know, to grab onto anything. And so the only way out is somebody else like mercifully helping like, and so, which means at our moments of deepest despair and vulnerability we need to reach out and ask for help were you able to receive some that time oh, And if you know, from who
1: um i remember and i don't think i've i don't think i've ever even admitted this before but i when it was really bad i remember telling fonzie i think i need to go to a mental home my is my husband for okay um, and i remember crying and saying i think you need to call someone i think i need to go to a mental home because i had three young kids and then i was having these really horrible thoughts and I never had thoughts that I wanted to die because I had my kids. I didn't want to leave my kids, but I had a fear that, um, I was losing my mind Mm -hmm. and that I didn't have any control. And so one day my mind would take over and have me do something horrible to myself. And so it was when that was happening, when I told my husband, it was, that was a kind of the catalyst. Cause it was like, okay, this is serious. This is, I mean, if I'm feeling like I, you know, I was so afraid Pasha, and I don't know if you ever felt this way, but I was so afraid that like, they were going to come to my house and put me in a straitjacket and like wheel me off. And I'd never see my kids again.
0: Yes. I, I have felt that way. And I, and I didn't want to ever leave, let my kids um, leave them behind or have them go through the pain of losing me. And I didn't want to live in my own head anymore. I wanted somebody to take my brain, mm. take it out and put somebody else's brain in yes. me because my brain was like terrorizing me. Yeah, it's, broken. Um, <laughs> it's broken. It's broken, yes. And so um, I, I turned to therapists, friends and medication um, yeah. at, my, at my darkest times um, and, and then asked my family to not leave me alone. Um, there were times where I just like, I, I need you to um, sleep with me and be no more than 10 feet away from me for the next 24 hours. And, you know, you just have to be relentless and you're asking for, for help.
1: Yeah. And that was I very similar to me. I went to the doctor, I got into therapy, weekly therapy, and I've been going to weekly therapy now for like a year and a half. And mm-hmm. um, I did go to the doctor. I did get medication, which I think that was one of the hardest battles for me was medication because I'd been struggling for about three or four years, but I had done everything else I could possibly, you know, every natural tincture and tea, the meditation, the journal, all the things that really are so helpful. Um, but it, it just got to the point where it wasn't helping me anymore. Yeah. So um, I didn't need that help. And I was the same. I told my husband, I don't want to be left alone right now. I don't, I was so afraid of being alone. So, um, and you know, he had to go to work. And so there was time that I'd actually drive to my parents' house just because my parents would be at home and I would just sit down with them. Mm -hmm. Someone was with me.
0: And did you feel ever that having your children while it was exhausting because we were anxious and depressed and depleted also life-saving to have somebody else that we needed to be there for?
1: absolutely yeah yeah because even the thing is when I was feeling that bad it was and I don't know about you but it was twenty-four-seven. you know it wasn't like I felt anxious in the morning and the evening like it was an all-day thing but when the kids were home and um, they needed me it was for like just split seconds I had a break from it because I was outside of my body it's like I was helping them you know what I mean so yeah it was
0: absolutely life life life-saving for me Yes. And have you been able to share with your children? I I forget how old they are now.
1: Um, Yes and no. So my youngest will be six on Friday. uh, And then my daughter will be, is almost 10 and my son is 12. So they're still young, but I have shared certain things with them because I think it's important for them to realize that, um, I guess growing up, my mom struggled too, and she really tried to hide it from me to protect me. But then what actually happened was when it started happening to me as an adult, I thought there was something really wrong with me because I hadn't experienced somebody else. So I'm very intentional in letting them know when I'm feeling not good because it's normal not to feel good. It's normal to go through times in life where you just feel like shit. And maybe it's not as not everyone feels maybe as low as me and you did, but they people feel it on some kind of degree. And I want, I don't want my kids to be 25 and start going through this and then think, what the fuck is wrong with me? I'm a complete lunatic. I want them to say, oh yeah, my mom went through this. I've seen it. And, and most importantly, they see how I handle it. They see that they know I'm in therapy. They know I love therapy. Um, You know, so I, I definitely share with them as much as I can with their level, you know, especially the five or six year old, she doesn't know a whole lot, but the other two. Yeah.
0: Yeah, using different words about it, but allowing them to express their emotions and it's okay to have a sad day. It's okay to be mad um, and to watch their mom ask for help and receive help and be resilient and bounce back and also have days where we're just in bed hiding under the covers and that's okay too, to Absolutely. honor that. Um, I think that's a beautiful gift to, to give our children um, yeah. and to be able, and it releases so much shame and allows us, people are like, why, when are we getting to the pleasure part? But I believe all of this is intertwined because when we open up to our truths, even if they're dark, when we release some of that shame and share it, I feel like it's only then that we can access that true self-love that then translates into a life of pleasure and enjoyment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I completely agree. There, there's always the light and the dark, isn't there? Yeah. The yin and the yang. It's always the two. It's a duality of both. And, you know, we dance between them all the time and without all the hard stuff, yeah. I would not be where I am right now. I would not feel the highest of the highs and, you know, the joyest of the joys without that, that really shit time that I went through.
0: Yes. Yes. We appreciate it even more and we can guide others through it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Do you struggle with the perception from the outside looking in that you have it all together and success and beauty is at your doorstep? So how could life be hard for Rachel Galde? Yeah. Do you get that? Limited- yeah.
1: I, I actually had a neighbor last year who told me, um, I can't remember how we got on the subject of it but um I remember saying um or her saying she hadn't seen me I said you know I've really been going through a tough time and I I struggle with anxiety and depression and she laughed and said what did you have to be depressed about you're gorgeous mm-hmm. I'm like if only you knew you know my looks don't define what goes on on the inside you know mm-hmm. I've I, I've said this before I've been um I've been a very overweight. I've been, you know, 50, 60 pounds heavier than I am now. And I didn't feel good. And I've been 30 pounds lighter than I am now. I've been on two completely different spectrums and neither one did I love myself. Even when I lost that weight, I remember thinking, um, okay, well, I've lost the weight, but now I have saggy skin. Once I can get rid of my saggy skin, then I'll be worthy. And then I'll feel good. You know, I just... And now I'm kind of in the middle and I'm the most comfortable, like I wear a bikini, I'll show my stretch marks. You can see the dimples on my bum. I do not care, you know, but it's an inner thing, you know, the outside doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how beautiful you are. Um, It's such an inside thing. But yeah, I definitely have people say stuff to me, um, you know, and I'm like,
0: they obviously don't realize that they are worthy the way they are. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And it's hard for for them to see themselves in you and and vice versa, but we're all so much more alike than we are different. And I don't know a woman who doesn't struggle with body shame. Um, I don't even know if I know a woman who doesn't struggle with the anxiety and the depression and has had moments of, I can't live like this anymore. And that deep fear and paralyzation, I think, and the older we get, frankly, the more we hear these stories and um, I find it with every year that I'm aging, while my the appearance of my body is not um, to my pleasure all the time, my mind is actually more in alignment, and so it just outweighs everything. And that acceptance and self love um, is is just rising to the surface, and the and the body shame is is no longer the yeah. the overriding, you know worry and fear in my head it's it's one of the many beauties of of growing old i agree the
1: older i get the
0: less shits i give i just yeah
1: and then you're like man and and i see and it's funny because you see people or hear people all the time say i used to think i was fat look at this picture of me i used to think i was fat here now look at me and it's such an inner job like at what point like you're never getting any younger right now that right now in this this moment this day your body is not going to get any younger. So when are you gonna when are you gonna change? Are you ever just going to let it go? No, you're not going to be that thin. But can you be happier? Yes. Can you appreciate more? Can you yes. love yourself? You know, can you can you make that change? Because it's you're not getting any younger. You know, the wrinkles are just coming. You know, the saggy skin is coming. You know, I've already had three kids. These boobs are not happy campers. Okay, so if I don't love them now gosh, in 20 years, I'll probably be touching my knees by then, you know? So
0: Joan Rivers, uh, who's passed, uh, she had a funny joke about, um, and then the day came when you could get a mammogram and a pedicure on this at the same time because the boobs are <laughs> hanging so low. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah. And we have to laugh. We have to laugh about aging and saggy boobs. And we have to laugh about stretch marks. but we also- I think can even laugh about body shame and, and anxiety and depression, mental health issues to normalize them and create yeah. that sense of belonging and and trauma and abuse. And and it's hard to, to talk about those subjects if they're always done in a very heavy light because it's too much tension and there's no release for ourselves or others to receive it and hear it. So I, I like honoring the, the pain of it, but also- bringing a little bit of humor into it so that it's relatable
1: shining a light on the darkness yeah I love it I love it yeah Mm -hmm. me and my friends laugh about it now like one of my friends Amanda she's been on my podcast uh we like joke about it because we both struggle terribly and we like make fun of each other you know and obviously in the moment when you're feeling really shit that's probably not the time to joke but once you pass yeah we just make light of it like she always tells me like Man, when she has like negative thoughts in her head that come up now she's like bitch shut the fuck up that's what she says to the thoughts in her head I'm like, hell yeah tell that bitch to fuck off you know <laughs> uh whereas when you're in it you know you feel like you have no control it's different but now yeah we we just laugh and joke about it you know
0: yes that's one of the things I teach it's a, it's the only mathematical equation I re- like to refer to but it's a you know um the Trauma or the tragedy plus time equals comedy. But I think over time we can, just like your friend is doing, if we go into every situation with a sense of humor or with a lens of humor, we can really shorten that gap between the the trauma and the comedy, and then find that we're just, oh, here here I am. I'm having that that voices <laughs> in my head, and, yeah. um, and I'm beating myself up. You could hear it right away, and you don't sit with it as long um and you move past it a lot quicker yeah, yeah. um you and separate yourself don't you because the thoughts do not equal facts
1: just because you're having thoughts that you're not good enough just because you're having thoughts that you're fat and ugly that doesn't equal truth no and so i think one of the biggest things for me was learning that and so now when those thoughts come up it's just like you know, I'll even joke with my husband about it sometimes too. And I agree. It's like making light of it. Like it is what it is. We've all been through it. Yes. To different levels and degrees. But I'm with you. I don't know a single woman who's never said um, anything bad about themselves or, and everybody I know has struggled on some level with anxiety. Like, yes. Period.
0: Yes. This podcast is sponsored by Krista Hoppola, sexologist and consciousness guide. I am proud to say that Krista is my own personal sexologist, the woman I turn to when I need to refresh my own pleasure practices. I highly recommend her to my clients and friends. Her website is kristahapala.com. That's K R I S T A H A A P A L A.com. Lots of A's, or as I say, lots of Ah's. It's all pleasure with this woman. Check her out. It's, it's quite relatable. And we all hold so much shame about it because unfortunately on social media and beyond, we just don't see everybody in bed with the covers or crying on the bathroom floor. I want to, I want to someday just have a whole feed of the other side oh, yeah! <laughs> behind the scenes of the pleasure podcast. Yeah here it comes. Um, I'm feeling so pleasurable. (laughs) Exactly. I I will do that uh, one day soon. I'm making that promise to myself. Um, On your website, you talk about stepping into your magic or empowering women to step into their magic. And I'm just curious how you define magic or what that means to you. Oh,
1: gosh. Um, magic to me is, um, stepping into your true power i think we give away our power to things and people you know like i would base my worth my value on if my husband said i looked good or my Mm -hmm. husband said i did a good job or my boss said i did a good job and so when you step into your magic to me it's reclaiming your power and realizing it doesn't matter what anybody else says you my darling are worthy no matter what. So reclaim that power, take it back and realize that your worth is not in other things. It's not in other people, their opinion of you doesn't matter good or bad. It's what you think of you. And so when we step into our power, things really do become magical because we get to decide, we get to choose how we feel. We get to decide, you know, what we want. We get to say, no, we get to have boundaries. We get to just live the life that we're meant to live instead of relying on other people,
0: you know? Yes. And and I love the idea of not need to rely on other people while just paradoxically, we were just saying, of course, it's also important to be able to rely on other people. Yeah. So like there are times where we're going to step into our power and our magic and feel fierce and not need anybody. And then to be able to bring ourselves back down and humble ourselves and um, and shine a light on weaknesses. Yeah. Or I don't think 7 your pageant means you don't need anybody.
1: I think we all need people, but we don't need to rely on their opinions of us. You know, yes. we don't have to base our value and worth of other people, but I think we will always, always need someone. I think, um, I can't remember who it was, was it Brene Brown who said, um, I'm probably going to butcher this. And I've said it on my podcast before that, um, back in the day, women would go down to um, the lake and go wash their clothes. All the women would go from the village, um, and you know they'd be down there for hours and chatting and washing and stuff. Well, then fast forward to when washing machines were created, and women no longer went down to the river. They were at home, and there was a huge increase in depression, and they couldn't figure out why. Why all of a sudden are these women going to the doctor? What's the problem? And it was they. Their conclusion was that they didn't have their community anymore because I feel like we need people so much. And they'd gone from spending time. Yes. They were doing laundry, but they were, there was tons of women down there. They're chatting and going back and forth, supporting, laughing. And now all of a sudden they're just in their home and they're not taking that time to be with other people. So I think regardless of what level I'm at, whether I'm feeling high as a kite or, you know, as low as low can be, I will always need people in my life to support me and guide me and hold my hand, you know,
0: Yes. And that's such a beautiful story to think that laundry or anything fill in the blank can become this sacred ritual of connection and how life-saving that is. And, and perhaps that's why so many of us are struggling during these times of COVID in isolation, because maybe it was, maybe we didn't realize I've, I've come to realize that gathering at the grocery store, saying hello to people, smiling. And just seeing somebody's eyes or waiting in the pull up line at school and saying hello to other parents when I pick up my kids, and all those things aren't happening as much. And those were daily rituals that I didn't realize were so much about connection. They seemed like tedious and a chore before. And now I. Long to stand in a checkout line at the grocery store and smile at somebody or make faces at a baby and make them laugh, you know.
1: Oh gosh, man, you're so right. They did. They felt kind of tedious, like small talk. Who wants that? But, but no, it's those little smiles and you know, someone saying "excuse me" or holding the door open for you yeah. and you know, those things. They they really are. I mean, we're a community. We're all in this together,
0: you know. Hmm. Yes. And I just have to ask because you're in Texas. And if I lived in Texas, I think I'd be driving to Houston and trying to like figure out where Brene Brown drinks her coffee and then just <laughs> sit sit there all day on the yeah. off chance of being, oh, you come here for coffee too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what it's all. <laughs> can you, let's can we have coffee together, just sit down and talk. I know we'd be good friends. Yeah. Be good.
1: <laughs> we'll be best friends by the time this is over, Brene. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, my goodness. Yes, I would. I would have a hard time not driving there.
1: (laughs) I'd love to meet her.
0: Yes. And so what is the next frontier for you? Like, of course, here we are talking about how we figured it all out. And, you know, for the most part, we have this now reclaimed sense of self-love and worth and um, new relationships that are working for us and are healthier now. But I'm sure there is still, you know, the next level of, of... and awareness and, um, and self-love even. So what is the next frontier? Like, what are you thinking? Like, Oh, this is the next thing I really need to dig my teeth into and work on, but it's scary.
1: Um, a few things actually, you know, I used to think I used to hate this part of like the healing journey. I'm like, no, I want to get to this part and just be done. Hello. Like take me to the top. I'm, I'm, you know, but now I find it empowering, that no matter where I'm at, there's always an up, there's, there's no ceiling, you know what I mean? Like I can continue to always be better than I was. So kind of changing my perspective, but this is probably going to sound so silly to people, but this was, it's funny you asked this because yesterday I thought about this. I'm really tall. I'm like five foot, eight and a half, almost five foot nine and i love and I'm, I'm curvy right and the curves i'm 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 just so the cellulite the stretch marks like that i'm fine with but i still find myself being self-conscious of my height um And that's kind of the next thing that I want to conquer within myself is my husband's also my height. So I don't wear heels. I probably couldn't even wear heels if I wanted, because I think it's an art, you know, I think you have to practice it. I want to to own that instead of, I've always like slunk down in pictures, you know, Uh, Um, because my, my best friend is four foot 11. I'm almost a foot taller than my best friend. I'm like, can you put some heels on? Damn it. You know, but um, I know that sounds so silly to someone, but it really is a place where I find myself shrinking and not being bold and standing in my light. And that's something that I want to um, conquer.
0: You're playing small in some ways because you want to literally be a little bit uh, shorter, which is fascinating because as soon as you said you're five foot eight, I'm like, now that's just fortunate. And I was <laughs> like five foot three and I think, oh, that'd be so nice because it just stretches everything out. And like, I would never feel overweight again if I were <laughs> five foot eight. Literally, I was thinking that in my head. Um, yeah. So it's funny how we do that to ourselves when we, yeah. we see other women and listen to other women. Um, but that's beautiful that you're wanting to embrace it. Does, so does that mean you're going to go, over the top and be like I am tall and then go heels and make yourself taller what is playing about? I don't know I'm scared but I, I because I'm scared I know I need to do something and
1: I um I was actually at the nail salon yesterday and the lady was like wow you're so big and and I hate when they say that to me that's a trigger that's something I need to work through right like when people make comments to you like we get to decide whether it hurts our feelings or not and yes I think I've just had experiences when I was younger that I need to work through and I've had this limiting belief that because I'm tall I'm not feminine interesting yeah okay. um, but then the the lady at the nail salon she's five foot one I'm almost five foot nine and she's like wow well, I wish I was your height and I was like you do and she's yeah. like yeah you're like a model and I'm like excuse Hello, you know, I I was and then I just realized, like, I really have to start owning that, you know, I, I find myself slouching and hunching and not just um, like, I'm actually going to a retreat, a women's retreat next week. And one of the days we're supposed to have like a girl's night out. And I have not met any of these women in person. They're all online friends and I've been friends with them for a few years. So I'm really excited, but this is how much it bothers me. I've already thought about what am I gonna wear on girls night out because I can't wear heels. I don't wanna be taller than them, you know? Um, yeah yeah, it's really something that I would love to work And through.
0: They're all thinking the same thing. I'm too short. I'm too fat. How am I going to stand next to Rachel? What am I going to wear? You know. <laughs> and it's so interesting that we're all doing that same. We would be doing the same thing to our ourselves. Yeah. And I have a coach who, who says walk into a room, tits out you know like because we tend to just be a little bit like I'm not gonna That's me. you can't yeah. even see my tits my shoulders are like hunched out or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is right right so your your back is tight your chest is tight um yeah it's so fascinating to know like where we still hold our Body shame and our fears yeah. and those limiting beliefs. And then, just as we coach other women to do so, how we can challenge ourselves to bust through them. And it sounds like next week is kind of a fun opportunity for you to step into it and try it on to just celebrate it. And you know what? You're right. I hadn't even thought about that.
1: You're right. Maybe I need to go buy a pair of heels just for the retreat. Oh my God. Watch I'm getting, this face.
0: Watch this face. <laughs> I'm getting chills because. Because what you would do in that is you would be liberating yourself from it and just claiming your, claiming your height and claiming your goddessness. And then somebody else is going to feel liberated to embrace their breasts or their butt or their big, I have a friend who has a ginormous mouth. She was on Ellen yesterday. Her mouth is very large and she was teased for it as a child and she could put, like six donuts in her mouth at one time. Oh, I'm so yeah. jealous. <laughs> exactly. And so, but she was teased about it. And so she held it as a limiting belief that she did not have um, you know, a, a pretty face or a nice shaped mouth. So she goes on Ellen yesterday, um, because she's famous now. She's got a million followers or something on TikTok. Because what she does is she makes fun of herself now and she shows people how many things she could fit in her mouth, yes. and got food. And um, <laughs> that, that took a turn. And, um, and I just think it's such a beautiful thing when we can take that one thing that just drives us crazy, but we can't change it. She can't change the size of her mouth. You can't become shorter. I will never have a flat butt. Most people will never see my butt because I'm on online. It's <laughs> Real, it's beyond j-lo it's like kim kardashian i am so jealous right now for that booty i'm so embarrassed by it because it's hard to find clothes that fit it and like i can't hide it i just can't hide it there's not i have a big booty too not not that big but i do um
1: and i literally went to nordstrom um and tried on every pair like brand yes. i was like i don't care if they're 200 dollars. like i need to because i get the gap in the back you know yeah the big gap, the big gap. Yeah. yes gap, yeah um, and the worst part is, a lot of the uh, changing rooms aren't open, and so like H and M, H&M they weren't at cotton on, they weren't. Uh, so, so I had to like buy jeans and then go try them on at the mall in the in the bathroom, and none of them fit. I'm wearing a mask, I'm sweating balls, and oh. I'm like, I at this point, I don't love my booty because I'm like, why can't anything fit me? This so
0: doesn't fit. Yeah. I, 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 like, I, I tried on J. Lo jeans, I've made some whatever brand she creates because I figured she'd get it. She has a big round tush. She's going to make, no, no, no. Then the, the length of the zipper is so short that ah. like my C-section scar and pubic hair are hanging over the <laughs> like, This is not a good look. So like, no. yeah, so I, I'm, I don't wear jeans anymore. I just wear leggings. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah well you know they have all the new jeans out now that are the curve love so like abercrombie all of them and i went to um abercrombie and i tried on size 30 31 and 32 and some of the 30s fit some of the 32s did not fit i mean i yep. and i walked away with none i was like yep. Man, these are supposed to have more room in the hip and the butt and the thigh and then closed the waist gap and it still didn't do it for me i was very disappointed
0: then there's maternity jeans which have that really nice fabric up top those were comfy we should just bring those back and make those fashionable again stretchy waistband yes oh yeah oh yeah see now I want to fly down to Dallas visit my daughter because she's there and then go shopping with you and you can embrace your super tall tallness and I'll embrace my very much shortness and we'll <laughs> complain about jean shopping together yeah let's do it let's do and it then my neck will hurt because I'll be looking up all day and your shoulders and back will hurt because we'll be- <laughs> <laughs> no 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 I'm gonna be I'm
1: gonna have tits out remember Okay. yeah yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to need you to do that by next week because I leave on Friday. Okay. So, okay. I'm there. <laughs>
0: so so like, where's your, re- where's your retreat? It's in Tennessee. Fun. Oh, I'm so excited for you. That's great. I, that's the thing I'm looking forward to most is circling up with, with women at a retreat. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll be there soon. Who, so you, your partner's going to watch your kids? Yes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
1: I'm like, adios amigo. I got to go. It's all on you. I think yes. he's a bit scared, but. He's scared. Yeah. He'll be
0: like, wait a minute. What do they eat again? Hold on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's him.
1: Seriously. He'll probably get our oldest to cook more than him because my oldest loves to cook. Good. Yeah. He'll probably get more help from him, but
0: oh, he'll be all right. Be a low on mac and cheese, I think. But yes. Well, I'm excited to hold you accountable to this, to see pictures of you at this retreat. Maybe towering over everybody with, you know, tits out and heels on, but, but celebrating it and embracing it because in doing so you're going to create that space for everybody else to celebrate. And Uh, I learned a word a couple weeks ago from a podcast guest, it's uh, compersion and it's the opposite of jealousy because I think our tendency as women is to be like, like just, mm. I wish I had what she had. Um, and then just to be so happy for the other person is what compersion is. Like so happy, so happy for you that you're tall and gorgeous. I'm so happy <laughs> that you get to go on retreat when I'm not. I'm so, and it like, it, it takes practice because I'm just like, oh, jealousy and desire are coming up. Yeah. And then to rework that into compersion because we need to keep lifting each other up. And I love
1: that word, compersion. Never heard it
0: before. It, it, it won't even, like it'll come up as a typo in your phone. Uh, that's how radical it is. It's a word. It's a legit word. It's just not used enough in our culture. Yeah. But jealousy comes up real quick. All the time. Yeah. One of the podcast episodes is literally called jealousy and compersion or the opposite of jelly is the opposite of jealousy is compersion. It was with a woman named Dr. Jolie Hamilton, who was talking about how she, even in uh, her polyamorous relationship, non-monogamous relationship, she could feel joy and happiness for her husband Finding sexual pleasure with other women, which I think is taking com- compersion to the extreme. So she could be happy for her husband finding sexual pleasure with another woman. Then fuck it, I am so happy for you for being tall and gorgeous and going. Oh, to
1: you're sweet, but I love that. I I actually didn't even know what polyamorous relationship was until like two years ago, but. I'm like, wow, that is so, it's so different, right? It's so just yes. the norm doesn't make it wrong. It's just different. Do you boo boo, whatever makes you happy. Do because- you boo yeah, boo? If, if, if she could be happy for her husband, getting sexual pleasure from someone else. Oh my gosh, that is. It
0: goes both ways. It goes yeah. both ways. So they, they figured it out. Some people do it's for some, it's not for others. Just like anything, you know, you know, there's people who probably think what we do for a living is crazy. So whatever. Yeah. <laughs>
1: There's a quote from Amy Poehler. It's good for her and not for me. Yes. Yeah.
0: Nice. That yeah, sums that. it up. Good. Yeah. I enjoy your company so much, Rachel. Oh, Thanks. This is great. Thank, this is you. Thank you so much for coming. And I'm sure people are going to be um, looking for your Instagram posts and wondering how that retreat went and then wondering how they could reach you. So how could people reach you if they wanted to?
1: Um, Instagram, uh, Rachel Ugalde. Um, I'm sure you'll have this somewhere.
0: I will. I'll have the links up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just talking to the lazy people who aren't going to read the show notes and
1: (laughs) type it in.
0: So Ugalde is U-G-A-L-D-E.
1: Yes. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. You can check out my website, uh, which is also my name, RachelUgalde.com. Um, you can send me something on there. I'm on Facebook as Real Talk with Rachel as well, and then I have a podcast called Real Talk with Rachel that you you can feel free to listen to as well.
0: Yeah, it's really good. It's it's very genuine and and heartfelt. I I enjoy listening to it. Thanks. Okay, awesome. Thank you. And if anyone wants to continue the conversation with me, I'd be happy to hear from you. You can reach out to me at email pasha at pashamarlow.com, or you can go onto my webpage, which has all the information on um, all of my offerings, including life coaching and group coaching, healing with humor work, um, and my new book that just came out My Next Husband Will Be a Lesbian. Maybe because that's my mood maybe yesterday, but tomorrow could change Uh because we're gonna do (laughs) processor. So thank you everybody for listening and watching and I hope to hear from you soon. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye.